You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast, featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? Mike, 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 Mike. A lot going on this week, brother. We got... So much to talk about, so much stuff going on in the entertainment world, Mets, Phillies, NFL Draft, Avengers Endgame, Game of Thrones. Yo, this is a big, big weekend weekend. Yeah, Mets, Phillies, man. Yo, my Mets are up on you guys 2-0 in the series right now. We're playing right now. I was just downstairs watching before I came up to record. Phillies were up one nothing. so... Yeah, and one run when we have Vargas on the mound is like us pitching a shutout. So, uh, you know, dude, seeing Bryce Harper get thrown out of the game though a couple nights ago was my favorite. Like, I swear yeah. the Mets fans are giving him the business too. Every time he touches the ball or he gets up to bat, the Mets fans are just hammering him. It's awesome. Didn't he go five for down? No, no, that was the series before. He went five for five in one game in the series before, I believe. You no, know, he had a uh, Tonight on this, he had the, he had his first hit tonight in the series, so he's not been playing well at all. Yeah, we're happy to have him though. We're happy to have him. I like the Phillies. I like the Phillies over the long. Your Mets over my Phillies in the long haul. Yeah, what do you what do you want to do, man? My Mets are good this year. I, I don't as long as we don't get the injury bug, man. That's, how about that's how about uh, whose team wins less games gets a tattoo of the other team's logo? There is no chance of me doing that. And the only reason right, why is because right I'm on 30. their ass, too. It's got to be on the ass. Yo, <laughs> I'm 37 years old, and I'm scared of my mom, what she would do to me if she found out I got a tattoo. Nice That's big fat P, dog. <laughs> no chance. I, I won't even take that bet on air because if I say yes, then people get a, all of our fans are going to hold me to it. It is not happening. How about we take a picture of each other in the opposing jersey and we put it on social media? No, that's not high stakes enough for me. How about uh, whoever's team wins less games, uh, the other person owes them a meal the next time we link up because we do link up in person at the time. Okay. We could do that. I'm cool. The Reading Terminal Market in Philly, so – if that happens again and you lose this bet, that's going to be one hell of an expensive meal, son. I know. They don't call you Big Mike for nothing. I'll be putting it away in the Reading Terminal market. Yeah, so in the middle of Game of Thrones right now. So that's another, you know, I'm, I'm in a Game of Thrones bingo pool at work, Mike, betting on who's going to be uh, dying first. So it's, it's a oh, bingo. Oh, it's definitely going to be Brienne. Yeah, yeah oh, like her getting knighted was 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 her was her death warrant getting uh, getting signed. You know, Game of Thrones they're kind of playing with my emotions. I kind of I wanted the the war the the battle to start last week and it didn't. So I was like highly disappointed with that episode. I thought it was very slow moving, but uh, yeah, I, clearly it seems like the battle's going to get started in this next episode. I'm really on the Avengers, Rob. I'm not really on that. I know you sold a thirteen dollar ticket for ninety dollars though. 
Yo, respect so, that grind, yeah. man. He's, he, yo, your boy's grinding out there, man. $13 ticket, reselling them for 90 Yo, he's trying to make any dollar he can. I know. That's uh, that's quite a markup. It's quite a markup. So. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, like you said, man, we have a lot to get to tonight, and uh, we have a lot going on. So uh, we're going to welcome in our guest tonight. Uh, who is so Rob? You know, <laughs> we only mess with goat. We only mess with people of a goat status around here, and uh, it's USBC national season, Rob. So you know, we're having one of the goats of the uh, USBC nationals tournament on tonight. Uh, only player in USBC champion open championships history to win uh, the all events title three times. Uh, numerous accomplishments at the Open Championships, including multiple 800s in different events. Was also a member of the 2015 Wichita State uh, Championship team, intercollegiate championship team. And uh, we saw a lot of them at the World Series of Bowling, too, Rob. So tonight we want to welcome on uh, Matt McNeil. Matt, how are you tonight, man? Uh, I'm doing wonderful, guys. Uh, hello from uh, beautiful, sunny Las Vegas. So it's a uh... You know, it's uh, I've been listening to your podcast, and I, I have, I've just been dying to get on the show, so it's a real treat for me. Why did you – I want to ask, why did you want to come on? Well, you guys just talk about all the, all the you know, fun, you know, topics. I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's, it's laid back. It's casual off the cuff. You get a, you get a lot of great, uh, honest answers. I, I think it's just great great talk to to listen to i think it's i think it's good for the sport word up we appreciate that man no doubt so uh matt get, give our listeners a brief summary of of yourself and uh your and really in bowling you know how, how did you get to where you are in your bowling career today and and where are you you know explain to our listeners introduce yourself a little bit yeah absolutely i mean i i grew up I grew up in a small town in uh, the southwest suburbs of Minneapolis. It's called uh, it's called Chanhassen, and uh, you know I grew up in just a, you know an absolute dungeon of a bowl, which was an awesome experience because uh, you know it taught me uh, taught me really how to be a great grinder out there, and uh, taught me how to roll the ball a lot, hit the pocket a lot, and make a lot of spares. Um, and it was, uh, it was really where I cut my teeth as a kid growing up. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, I got to stay after junior league and, uh, you know, empty ashtrays and take out trash and, uh, you know, rearrange the house ball, sweep the parking lot, do all the odd jobs, you know, and, uh, for free soda and free practice. And then I'd get to watch, you know, on Saturday, ABC television. So I kind of grew up in that environment. Um, just always loved the sport. And then uh, the center closed down. So Brunswick had just built a, a, a BRC center up the road. And uh, I, I started going over there when I was a teenager. And I actually, that's how I got into the pro shop business. Um, former Team USA member Carl Fitek, uh needed a guy to watch the shop and do ball work for him uh, while he was away at league on a Wednesday night. So, you know, seven bucks an hour there I was for most of it for pro shop credit and uh you know so i could plug you know old balls i'd buy off ebay and uh and then take them out to junior tournaments and stuff like that and so i uh kind of became a pro shop rat and then i was working in the bowl i was doing lanes i was pretty much doing everything and i just fell in love with the sport became a huge bowling nerd and uh 
and then uh, you know I went ended up kind of fast forwarding going to college. I got my four year degree in law enforcement from uh, Minnesota State University, and then I actually went on. Uh, I was involved in coaching, became a silver level. So I had to go back to grad school, went to state for two years, got my grad degree in criminal justice, and then I went to work uh, in their corporate security services team. Um, and then I got promoted twice while I was at Target, so I took a, a couple higher-level higher positions there. And then just recently, I got uh, the dream job of my life. I uh, became uh, the global brand ambassador for Storm Products and uh, life ever since January 2nd, 2019. has just been absolutely stellar. So uh, in between there, I happened to win a few bowling tournaments and, and bowling spots, but I guess that's kind of it in a nutshell. Man, that was uh, you. You just gave me so much, in that. and it's surreal how uh, how similar our 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 bowling experience was. I kind of grew up in the same type of environment. You want to talk about dungeons? I I bowled high school some matches in a place called Saint, which was in the basement of a church in Philly, in South Philly. And uh, yeah, I mean brutal above ground ball returns and all that. And uh, yeah, just the whole working into bowling alley during the free bowling and the pro shop thing. A lot of uh, a lot of similarities there, so that was interesting. And yeah, we we knew that you worked at Target. Uh, that that had been in some of your uh, your PBA media stuff as well. So, like, what happened there? Did you just leave Target because you got an opportunity with Storm, or did you not catch enough people stealing at Target or scamming or what? What was the deal? <laughs> uh, no, it, it was definitely the opportunity with Storm came came available. Uh, you know, it was like I said, it's really just a once in a lifetime opportunity to to come to work with Storm and. And just be in the business that that I should be in, and, and you know, and that's being in the industry, bowling industry, and that's working with bowlers, helping bowlers, uh, whether it's a you know 130 average person at the tat who's never had a ball laid out for him, or if it's uh, you know uh, you know if I'm repping for Norm Duke when he won his 40th title. I mean, everything in between there. It's just been uh, it's been an absolute joy to to work for Storm Products and people there are second to none and our, our products are, are amazing and it's it's carried over into my bowling too you know i mean i had a i've you know i bowled on tour very very part-time usually one to two events a year ever since 2015 um you know i made a you know i got fixed for the pba league right away and you know happened to uh make a double show with pep peppy and uh you know i always did really good at the world series you know, those, those lawn formats and, and multiple patterns and uh, everything like that really suit my game. And uh, so, you know, I've, I've placed 11th at every World Series I've bowled for three years in a row. And then uh, this year I kind of had that coming out party, if you will, and I, I made two shows. Granted, didn't bowl the best on the show. Well, scored the best on the shows, I should say. But, uh, but you know, it was it, it's just been a kind of a, a dream year so far. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what happens next no that's awesome man congratulations but listen back back to target and security for a minute i love a good scam yeah. I, I i just i oh, so sure, yeah. tell us if you got you got a story for from for us for your days from your days at target people running game or running scams at target give us something on that well so i was uh i was on the internal security team uh at, at the corporate office so at the corporate headquarters in minneapolis minnesota where you know, you have uh, the the leadership team, so the CEO and his leadership team, and um, every vice president, and you know all the all the big 
big wheels that make all, you know all the decisions for a Fortune 50 company. Um, I, I think probably one of the more interesting uh, things I worked is uh, the uh, CEO's admin came down and, and expressed some concern about uh, his. Every now and then, uh, the CEO would bring a, a bag lunch into work, just because not because he's a weirdo, but maybe he's a little eccentric or something like that. And uh, somebody, I guess, was going into the fridge and, and taking taking his lunch. So uh, <laughs> that was one of that was one of the a little investigation I got to work. But um, you know, it was it was really interesting. You'd have a lot of uh, internal dishonest behavior as you do as in any workplace, and then. Uh, you know, you had the, uh, you always had that threat of external, uh, you know, if he, you know, God forbid ever, you know, a, a mass shooting event or, um, you know, an act of terrorism or uh, a natural disaster or, you know, anything like that, you, you know, that was something, thankfully, that never happened while I was there. But, uh, but you know, you had kind of the internal and external forces as far as, uh, you know, the chance for, uh you know, secret, you know, things that, that Target didn't want released to the public as far as, you know, new product launches or new things coming out that we didn't want other vendors that we do business with to see yet, um, you know, and you just had, you know, you had 10,000 people. And so, I mean, it was, it was very, very interesting, very, uh, very interesting work. I really enjoyed it. I actually floated around my next position was in global crisis management for them. And then I actually went back to lead their corporate security team. So, uh, I actually got to do uh, do a few things while I was there, but it's, tell you what, it's just a, a great company to work for. Amazing, amazing people to work with, but just you know, it's not that wasn't my passion. So uh, when I got the opportunity to go to Storm, man, it was I just I absolutely just flat out took it and uh, haven't looked back. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. That's awesome. And yeah, it's interesting to hear that that Target has has that kind of uh, you know thought process in terms of security and things of that nature. I mean, that's, that's pretty involved for a place you just go to, to get some deodorant. I thought you were going to tell me like, yeah, you know, the, the most popular item that people steal is like razor blades or something. That's what we were always watching the razor blades, but you guys are thinking about natural disasters and terrorist attacks. Damn target doing big things. I, I feel safer in target now though. I'll say that. So yeah, that, Matt, you, you brought up your security. He, you brought up your success at the World Series, and, and you know you said it was kind of like coming out party a little bit for you. Uh, wh- why were you so successful in Detroit? What clicked for you? Well, I, I think being able to, uh, you know, I really went out with a very clear head. I, I threw my back out earlier. I, I was working in Jonesboro the whole week. I was on my feet, didn't sleep very good um, every night. Just, you know, I, I just didn't sleep very good, and I was on my feet the whole week, so my back was really kind of killing me by the end of the week. And I pulled my roller board off the plane on Monday when I got back and just had this shooting pain go right down my back. And I'm like, you know, I haven't practiced at all. I I haven't bowled a tournament in three weeks, uh, you know, and and I got to go try to bowl against the best bowlers in the world at the world series. Um, You know, so it's kind of one of those things where you go in with zero expectations, right. You know, and you just, you, you seem to be actually a little more focused on, on really just doing the simple things, which we should always be focused on, you know, making sure we're adapting to the lanes and giving the lanes what they want, creating great ball reaction, 
making all our spares, being very diligent with our shot making, uh, you know, really keeping the, uh, you know, the, the mental game uh, steady and, you know, keeping the ship righted, and, you know, and not falling off course mentally. Um, I was just able to do all those things really, really well. I, I set four simple goals for myself and I stuck to them and, you know, give the lanes what they want, uh, manage my arsenal really well, uh, not say anything negative to myself uh, the whole entire tournament, which uh, was a first for me, and uh, believe in myself. And I, I did those four, th- four things, and, you know, I, I had an amazing event. So, uh, you know, I think sometimes when you're sick or you have an injury, uh, it just seems to kind of work out uh, – a little better that way, you know, and, and definitely I think um, as far as, you know, I, I was able to bring a, a good versatile arsenal with me. Uh, I think on the equipment side, it, it helped my game a little more to that allowed me to play my A game a little more, uh, which is, you know, keeping it in front of me and, and being able to roll it a lot. Um, some of the equipment I had forced me to be a little more manipulative with my hand. And I, I had to, had to manipulate more with my hand. So my repeat, my repeatability, uh, when you have to manipulate, uh, of course always suffers a little bit, but, uh, I think that was that, that added to it as well. So, but overall it was a great event. I I was really happy. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you, you mentioned trying to be positive. Are you, are you usually not a very positive person when you're on the lanes? You know, I'm, you know, I, I, I try to be kind of funny with it. You know, I, if you, if you run into me, I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, my game's, you know, old outdated. And, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of an old school player. I don't have a high rev rate. Uh, I don't cover a ton of boards. I can, I definitely can get in and wheel on it, but you know, you, you just kind of a, I'm a no thrills, no frills guy. And, you know, I say, yeah, my ready for the glue factory, yada, 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 you know, and just, you know, I kind of, kind of just play that, you know, ah, shucks guy. And, um, you know, so I, I think some people might say that, you know, I'm, I'm a little more down on myself, but I, you know, I, I really just, especially when I'm competing, I definitely try to be more positive, but sometimes, you know, when, just like anybody, when you make a bad shot, you, you like to chastise yourself and, and get a little angry at yourself or not making a good shot or missing a, a easy makeable spare, or, you know, not coming through in the clutch when you need to. On the sh- on the show, uh, but go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, um, but you know this tournament was a complete 180 from that. I I I I didn't say a single negative thing to myself uh, for the entire tournament. So it, I, I carried that over to the Masters and um, have been doing that ever since. So it's, that's going to be something I'm, I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my career. Yeah, so I I watch a lot of bowling. If you listen to the podcast, I always say that, and obviously I watch the shows and I watch them very closely. I'm a, I'm a big you know bowling fan, and yeah, you did a lot of patting yourself on the back on the shows and referring to yourself. I I, I found that interesting. I was wondering like, is there a mental thing he's got going on here or what? So a little, little interesting to hear that perspective anyway. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I really focus on process. I've always been very, very focused on process. Then there's been a, a lot of times it's captured on webcasts and everything. You know, where I, if I make a bad shot at the line, I just 
you can tell my body English at the line is just like, I just threw one horrendous and I don't even want to watch what happens. You know, I've walked away from high flush strikes plenty of times. And that's really just because I'm absolutely so focused on my process and so very little focused on, on the outcome. Uh, I think that definitely helps me mentally as well. Mike, we're lucky uh, that Matt studied law enforcement because it seemed like you were in jail on those, uh, those bottom pairs there, the arena pairs on the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they put the cuffs on, man. That's uh the first show was, it was pretty tough. You know, you, you bowl in that other bay and you, you get, you see a shape for 10 games of qualifying. And then for two, you know, two matches, which I bowled, I think, you know, three games, my first match had 800 against BJ Moore. And then, excuse me, I beat Bill O'Neill four to one, my second match. And you you see, you see a, a shape and then you get, you know, you get out of the arena and you know they're going to be different. So you go in, you know, just try to be very open-minded. So they let us practice on the TV pair. We practiced. They re-ran them. And then we got 10 minutes of practice before the show. And then the show came on. Well, the first time on the TV pair, <clears throat> life was life was okay. I mean, my pitch black was picking up. It was kind of okay. My fever pitch was actually a little better. The second time they came back, I mean, if I just didn't dead ace it, it looked really bad. And so, you know, it's like, okay, now it's, now it's time to go on the air. And it's your first single show. <coughs> Excuse me. And your ball reaction is, is not very good. So, so, you know, that's, that's just kind of what it was. And, you know, and scores below the first game so I, I didn't want, really want to fish around and then you know Kyle shot 290 at me the next game so was what it was there gotcha I mean that's it was a pretty interesting show because of the fact that the qualifying was going on on one part of the the, the bone center and then they moved the show and we talked about that on our previous uh podcast about how the arena tv show games were so different than everything else that went down for the rest of the tournament. All right, Matt. So everyone in the bowling world is familiar with uh, the success uh, at the USBC tournament. I um, mean, it's in its prime right now, just got ramped up here the last uh, month. Um, and uh, of course it started the year after you left my group. So it's pretty much the pair shot cloud as you would call it. Um, <laughs> it's figures. Uh, how are you <laughs> <laughs> How are you so successful at, at at those tournaments? I mean, I've bowled on that tournament for years and never came close a, a, to the success that you've had. So, uh, how were you so successful? And what advice would you give to the thousands of bowlers that are trying to get their eagles every year out there? Well, I, addressing the the success is is I'm going to be, uh, you know, incredibly humble and honest and say, I, I think I kind of fell into it the first year. You know, I had, I just had mediocre years leading up to 2010. And uh, Sean Ryan, uh, who I'd known through Junior Gold, uh, punched me up that 900 global breakout. And, well, I mean, I gave the ball to him and I said, oh, I just need a layout for this. What do you think? And he's like, I'll do it. You know, I'll take care of it. And, you know, sent me on my way. And, you know, I, things kind of came together. I, I saw the, I, 
I was able to see the picture of what it took to, at least on my side, to be very competitive at that tournament. And once I figured that out, granted, I kind of figured it out by accident, not saying that I'm undeserving or anything like that. But once I figured that out, then it was, okay, well, now I can, you know, now this is kind of what it takes. You know, they didn't change the years I really mauled them. They, they, they really didn't change a whole lot, um, you know, in, in that six-year window. Um, and the national tournament, generally the lane conditions, you know, team is always kind of team and singles, doubles is always kind of singles, doubles. Um, but, you know, of course, that was when we just had one pattern. And, you know, so when I was able to kind of just figure it out and figure out that, you know, what I had to do with my layouts and my surfaces and, you know, what I really needed to picture I needed to kind of create, uh, it was just off to the races. And especially after I got that confidence from the first win, it just propelled me into going in every year feeling like no matter what had happened up until that point in time, if I bowl great, I can lead. I can leave with the lead, and I, I think that's that's one of those one of those thought processes you really have to have is, uh, you know, you really have to believe that if you go out and bowl great, uh, that you have a chance to be on that leaderboard, uh, whether you're at the top or not. But at least you you'll have the chance to uh, step up and possibly throw a couple big shots to take over the lead. I think really recognizing what the lanes want and, and being prepared and, and being physically and mentally prepared and then, you know, being prepared with your arsenal. There's a lot that goes into that tournament if you think about it. I mean, you know, you only get one ch- chance at team every year. You get one chance at doubles every year. You get one chance at singles every year, you know, and not every pair is equal. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't want to hear that, but I'm sorry. That's the way it is. You know, topography is, is not perfect in the sport of bowling. Um, you hit the right pairs at the right time. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's luck involved. I, I'll be the first one to tell you that, but there's also, you have to make the shot. Um, so not only do you have to have things go your way, uh, but you also have to really take advantage of it and bowl out of your mind. Uh, and then be able to handle it mentally. Um, you know, when the cameras come out and you start getting closer and closer and closer, it, it's pretty hard to uh, to finish out the shots to, to take the lead in an event, knowing that you know it could result in an eagle. And then, um, you know, then you know when you think like my third all events when I was chasing it down, and you know to think that I'd be the only person in the history of the tournament to win three all events. I mean, those. That, those shots were pretty hard. I'm not going to lie. They're, they're tough shots, but, um, yeah. you know, you're yeah. able to, you know, that, that's, that's what it is as a bowler. You live to make those shots. You know, I, yeah. I had a chance to take over the lead in 2011, um, for all events and I gagged and I split. Um, you know, I just, I didn't make a good shot. Uh, so I came back in 2012 and, I, you know, I said, that's not happening again. So, but there we go. There we have it. You know, I had a chance to win singles in 2013 and big Ford and four struck out and missed it by eight. You know I mean? It's, that's bowling. You're not always going to make the shot you need to make when you need to make it. But I think the big thing to focus in is, is, you know, that you put yourself there more times than not. It's just like Michael Jordan, you know, how many shots did he miss for game winners versus making, 
But people generally don't remember all the ones he they he missed. They just remember all the big ones he made. Well, he took a lot. Is is kind of the the bottom line there. And I think uh, my advice for bowlers going out to that tournament is be physically sharp. Uh, you know, be well practiced and and go out and compete in a lot of tournaments leading up to that. So you know, everybody knows the first frame of team events one of the hardest frames to throw all year. Uh, you know, and that's if you're a 30 year veteran or a two year rookie, that first frame of team events, always, always a hard frame to, to get through. Um, you know, and if you're mentally sharp and physically sharp, that's, that's a lot easier frame. Uh, you know, a six bagger is a lot easier to handle or an eight bagger. And then your screen turns red and black because you got the, the, the front eight. Uh, it's easier to handle those things when you're tournament sharp, you know, and that's bowling, you know, bowling a lot of tournaments, being physically sharp and mentally sharp. That's why I call it being tur- tournament sharp. So, you know, my well, advice is you you get out what you put in. If you put a lot into it, you're going to get a lot more out than, yeah, you know, we've uh, I bowled once a, once a night, three games a week, and drilled up a new ball for the tournament. You know, that's well, you didn't put much in, so why should you expect much out? What um what are you seeing? this year let's talk this year's condition I, I i don't know have you bowled already are you planning on bowling but have you done any research online or uh, if you could tell our, our, our listeners out there about this year i'm sure there's a lot of people wondering what the conditions are doing and what kind of equipment they need to bring out with them yeah absolutely i mean that's why i came out here i'm going to be uh writing an article for our storm news website and uh it's going to be very de- de- detailed on what i'm seeing but um, I, I'd highly encourage everybody to check it out. Um, but, uh, you know, while I'm here, I can easily tell you, you know, tricky Nick Hoagland, uh, that's what I like to call him. Nick's a great guy. He's a very smart man. Um, he creates very intricate patterns that are, that have a lot of depth and a lot of complexity to them. Uh, they require a lot of, uh, a lot of imagination. I feel they require a lot of thought and preparedness. Um, I really feel on his patterns, bar none, you need slower ball speed and you need more tilt and a little more rotation. Uh, you need equipment that that's, seems to be uh, a little slower, uh, kind of a middle to slower speed in transition. That That is uh, the transition it makes off the end of the pattern. Uh, slower equipment seems to be doing a little better there like really, really quick stuff I don't I don't think is called for. Um, on the other hand, I don't think really slow, rolly stuff is called for. Um, I, I think you need to be able to open up your angles a little bit and, uh, you know, create tilt and rotation. Use slower ball speed on not aggressive surfaces. I think medium covers are good. You know, you can use stronger covers if it's on, uh, if it's on maybe a pearl. Um, you know, so you could, you know, like I, I think halo pearls, I think idle pearls, uh, I think an intense fire, um, you know, those, that, that type of pearl cover, uh, I think from us is, is pretty good. Uh, intense fire is a hybrid, but, you know, I think that, that type of shape is, is pretty darn good. Um, I, I, the big key is the big key is the axis tilt and the rotation and the slow ball speed because he makes the front hook. So it's very hard to keep the ball online and not pay a penalty because they're flatter and the front hook. So if you make any mistake and you're going up and at them, uh, the ball's going to see it in the front and exaggerate it down lane because he's got, 
you know, so much oil walled up down lane. And, you know, he's got a, probably a bunch of two to twos down there. There's no front to back taper. So your ball hooks, skids, then falls off a cliff. And you really got to be able to, to get it to do the right thing and go through the pins every time. And so I, I just, I feel that axis tilt, rotation, and slow ball speed on, you know, medium response equipment is ultimately important. But, you know, the big thing is, is you need to get the ball from point A to point B and then just have it kind of roll up off the pattern. That's still go through the pins. And I think that's where the axis tilt and rotation come in. Matt, what, uh, as one of the goats of the USBC tournament, what, what do you think about some of the changes that have gone on over the last few years? What do you like and dislike? What I, what I like is, is having worked the tournament, 98% of the bowlers should not be competing against the upper echelon 2% of the bowlers. I think it's just insidious. The, the, the talent gap is just too big there. Um, you know, for, you know, we, you know, being a top bowler myself, yeah, it's, it takes, takes money out of your pocket. I know there's not a lot of bowlers, upper level bowlers that are, are all that happy about it, but you know, you got to say, I mean, you got to bowl against people who average 40 pins less than you on the wall on a heart, on a, tougher condition for a lot of years and make a lot of money doing it. Um, so, uh, you know, to that, I say, I think the third division is, is a good thing. I, I think that it was definitely needed. I think that um, perhaps I, I think the USBC should be focused on trying to help bowlers um, and trying to uh, inform bowlers uh and I don't know if that relates to releasing the lane condition. I don't think that, that to me, that doesn't make a big difference. The 2% of bowlers still get there early. They scout their pairs. They read the topography reports. They watch good teams bowl. They come prepared. They bowl the team practice. They know what they're doing. They have, you know, they bring six balls, maybe ship a couple more, or maybe they bring a couple blanks to drill up based on what they see out there. They really come prepared. 98% of the tournament doesn't do that. So I think that them keep competing in different divisions, great. I think they should be competing on different lane conditions. I think, you know, 140 average player to compete on a condition that you or I would, you know, maybe average 215, 220 on on a good day, I don't think that's appropriate. Um, you know, I just don't think that's a, an appropriate test for their skill level. You know, it's saying, you know, we're going to have a, a nine handicapper play uh you know play pebble beach from the tips oh that doesn't make much sense does it uh what are they going to learn other than uh you know if if they don't throw it perfect it it doesn't strike i mean i really think not having on-site coaching um and not having some sort of educational ability for bowlers to take advantage of to better understand why they struggle um, and how to improve their games and how to improve their chances of competing better at the national tournament. That's, that's the area where I have, uh, where I disagree with the decisions the USBC is making about the tournament. Everything else I think is, is pretty in line with trying to be progressive, trying to make a, a few good changes to, to keep the tournament running. Uh, the other tournament, the other thing I don't agree with is giving Eagles out in the other divisions. I think Eagles should be reserved for, the regular division, you know, I think it, I think it kind of cheapens the, the, uh, the integrity of the Eagle, uh, you know, like anything, the more you give out, the, the less, uh, the less value it becomes. So, you know, I, I, I would disagree with that, but, you know, I've, 
I've talked with plenty of folks uh, about that. So it's, and I'm not, not saying I'm not going to bowl the tournament and it's a stupid decision. I'm just saying it's my opinion and I disagree with it. That's, that's all. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion and it, it just, it doesn't make anybody worse or, or, or better of a human being for, for maybe having a, a certain stance on anything. It's just people want to know some other folks' opinion. And so I'm, you know, there you have it, I guess. Uh, Matt, what what do you think about the location of the tournament? Do you are, are are you of the belief that you know what location they have it in affects what what kind of turnout there is, or whether people choose to go or not? I, I think it can have some small effect. I mean, but my gosh, I mean, I tell you what, Vegas is expensive. I mean, you want to? I mean, every place has got twenty to forty five dollar resort fees. Most of the main strip casinos charge you thirty dollars to park there. Um, if you if you have a car, food is very expensive out here. Drinking's not cheap. Um, you know, of course, then you got the gambling factor, but it is easy to get to. You look at a place like Reno, once you get there, you really don't need a rental car. The rooms are pretty cheap. There's not much in the way of resort fees or, or parking fees or anything like that. The, the food's decently cheaper, um, not incredible, but uh, once, you know, it is harder to get there, but once you're there, I think you save a lot of money. So I think it's kind of a give and take. Um, Las Vegas is a little more of a destination where you can, you know, you can take your family and, and find something for the kids to do. You can go see the Hoover Dam or, you know, or, or, you know, or go play golf or, you know, do something like that. But, you know, heck, you only got Tahoe about 20 minutes out of, outside of, you know, half hour drive out of Reno. So um, you can do that too over there. So I think, I really, really would like to see me personally, this is me personally, I'd like to see the USBC National Tournament go to a lot more different cities. Um, I'd like to see more of the country. I think that was a lot, that was a great mainstay of the tournament for many, many years was, you know, it would go to a lot of different cities and, you know, you got to, you know, I remember going to Baton Rouge and we drove down to New Orleans and stayed in the French Quarter after we got them bowling. It, we had a blast. I mean, the food was great. We saw a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, I I really enjoyed it. I get, enjoyed going down to El Paso. There was a lot of cool stuff to see down there. I enjoyed, <coughs> excuse me, going to Albuquerque. I just, I enjoyed, I enjoyed seeing new places and new parts of the country. So, I mean, Maybe I'm a little biased there. Maybe maybe some people agree with me. Maybe some don't. Maybe some people just like coming to Las Vegas. Or, uh, but I think Reno is a perfectly great town. I lived there for six months when I worked the tournament. There's a lot to do. You just have to look a little harder. Oh my! Oh Matt, we're gonna we're gonna have our first on air argument about <laughs> Reno. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I hate that city, man. I. I mean, look on the bright side. Uh, at least if you uh, don't have a room there, you could stay with everybody else that's panhandling at the bus stop or, <laughs> um, you know, or be afraid to go get, get your bracket money at 2 a.m. when you have to walk across the city. Uh, you know, Reno, uh, you know, but they do have the best number 92 in the state. So I'll give them yeah, that. That's um, right. And don't forget about that potato bar has the most copies. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it is. It is. I don't really, anyway, um so <laughs> we love 80s movies on this podcast. Rob, I thought about you today because another podcast I listened to, the Bill Simmons podcast, had Ralph Macchio on. 
and they were talking all about uh, this uh, new show, Sweep the Leg, or something on Netflix. So you might want to check that out. But we love '80s movies on this podcast. Everybody knows I, that. I've already watched first season, Mike. It's Cobra Kai, and it's really, really good. So if okay. you have YouTube Premium, right. yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you've been paying attention, Matt, on social media, but uh, Brian Voss uh, had some controversial statements this week about two-handed bowling and uh, dividing it from one-handed bowling. And he, uh, you know, had some definitely feedback from some of the other pros, Belmonte, O'Neill responded uh, to it. Uh, do you know about Voss's statements? And if you do, what is your take on that? Yeah, definitely. You know, Brian Voss was, uh, was a, you know, was a guy that I always really admired. Uh, he had such a good physical game and he was such a great competitor. And, you know, he was in that area era when I was growing up of, you know, guys that were on the show a lot. Um, Brian Voss is a PBA hall of famer, uh, 20 plus titles. Um, I believe don't quote me on that. Um, but he's, he's one of the, you know, top, you know, top pros or top players of the game that will, will ever be, um, for that, you know, he, he, you know, like anybody else, uh, somebody asked him his opinion and he gave it. And, uh, does that take away from, from him being one of the, you know, one of the top athletes on the PBA for, for 20 years? No. Uh, I, I, I don't think that affects that at all. Uh, some folks didn't like what he had to say. Uh, but, you know, some folks, there's a lot of folks that don't like what uh, maybe the city newest president has to say. Or there's uh, a lot of folks that, that maybe don't like to hear what the, the current Democratic Party leader has to say or, uh, you know, or anything. I mean, so it's, people get really worked up about, you know, I mean, I, I give the guy a break. I mean, I'm not justifying what he said, but I'm just saying he got asked his opinion and he gave it. Uh, does that make him a bad person or, or ill-deserving of respect as a as one of the better professionals for that was out on tour? And I mean, he had one of the best physical games out there. He was an amazing competitor. Uh, you know, he he really enriched the pro tour for for many many years. Um, so for me. You know, Brian is entitled to his opinion. Now, do mm. I agree with his opinion? I, I, I think that's more or less you're, you're wanting to know, hey, does Matt McNeil think that two-handed bowling is a cancer for the sport or whatever he said in that manifesto he wrote? Um, no, it's, it's <laughs> two-handed bowling is, is an incredible advantage over one-handed bowling, just in, 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 in my eyes. Uh, if I could go back and, and turn back the hands of time, I'd probably be a two-hander. Uh, that the advantages of two-handed bowling versus one-handed bowling for me and my eyes are just so incredible that if I could go back, I would be a two-hander. No doubt, bar none, hands down. Um, but does that mean we have to, uh, be, uh, you know, uh, you know, mean towards two-handers or say that they have to bowl on their own tour or in their own tournaments or, anything like that. No. Uh, you know, if I had to, you know, bowl against, you know, and generally I, I bowled against a lot of two handers at the world series and by, you know, by my bank accounts records, I, I got third in the world championship and beat all of them except for one. So I, I, I guess 
you know, on when I have a great day, I can still beat any two-hander out uh, that Belmonte fella. And in my eyes, he's the he's the best bowler that I'll ever see, uh, probably in my so in you, my time. I I, I don't think so I'll you, ever see anybody better than him. Would you consider him the goat then? If if that's my, if that's going to be our next question, who would you consider the greatest of all time? Greatest of all time in the current era is Belmonte. That that's not even a, a talk about. I think greatest of greatest of all time in the in the 90s and early 2000 through probably you know 2005 2006 was Walter Ray. Uh, greatest of all time in the 80s was Marshall Holman, just in my humble opinion. Uh, you know, and then you had Earl and Dick in the 60s and 70s with Mark Roth, you know with Mark Roth up there as well. Certainly, I mean. But Mark only Mark had thirty three or thirty four titles, but I think he only had one or two majors. I, I don't even know if he won two. I think he just might have won one. Um, you know, and I I hate to say it, but like a lot of other sports, the majors are really where it counts. At least for me, that's just my opinion. I, and I don't mean to discount anybody. And I have I have the utmost respect for all the professionals that I named, and I don't think anybody should take a backseat to anybody, but. Um, you know, I count the majors. I look at the majors and, you know, Belmonte has been bowling on tour for a decade and he's got 11 majors. That I think that tells you something about how dominant he is, uh, at, at, at striking. He just, he just flat out strikes everybody. I'll tell you what, his split making ability, uh, is, is pretty amazing too. And I, you know, and I, I get it, you know, he probably leaves more than the, you know, common guy with a 320 rev rate like me. Uh, but, man, I tell you what, that guy makes splits. It just, it's just, it's unbelievable. It, it, it's truly unbelievable to watch him. And, you know, now that I work for Storm and I got to wrap a couple weeks on tour and I watch him a lot, I, I tell you what, guys, I mean, you, it's, it's like getting to watch Tiger hit off the tee. I mean, it's, it's different. You watch the ball get out of yeah. the hand. It's, it's just, different than everybody else and it it shows the the numbers clearly show i mean that's incredible like mike i asked matt for the greatest of all time and he comes back and gives me like seven bowlers in seven different eras so you know it's amazing how you, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how you ask the same question to like different different players and they all uh have a different answers. Like, it's just one of those things where you just, everybody has a different answer. So I, I feel like it's such a great question to uh, ask, you know, the players, you know, um, okay. I'm going to say a statement here, Matt, and then you're going to finish it. Uh, there might right. be a PBA player who, what could be anything positive, negative, whatever you want to say. There might be a PBA player who. There might be a PBA player. There, okay, there might be a PBA player who is who should be the gold standard of, of what every other professional should try to be. Mm. Okay. Mm. That's interesting. That's, yeah, that's an interesting one. That's I like that one. And uh, what do you think? Favorite ball of all time? Your favorite absolute – you had one ball to – to, to use for the rest of your life, what would it be? Favorite bowling ball? Oh my, oh my gosh, that's hard. Boy, is that hard. Um, I 
boy, there was there was a lot that I fell in love with. But you know, it was, it was just over so one many ball. different years. One, one ball, ball. okay. I'm gonna, the first ball that I had my first 300 and my first 800 was with a Storm X Factor Deuce, and mm. uh, so. I, I'm going to say if, if that ball was good enough to get me my first three and my first eight, it'd be, it'd still be plenty good for, for me today. I, I I'd still like to have, have something like that in my bag, man. That ball, that ball rolled so good for me, but you know, I, I tell you what, I've been blessed guys. I've been, I've been able to throw a lot of different equipment in my day. Um, you know, I, I want a lot of stuff with the 900 global stuff. I want a lot of stuff with the Brunswick stuff. I want a lot of, I've won a lot of stuff with storm stuff. I've won a lot of stuff with Columbia stuff. I've just, I've been so blessed to have a lot of manufacturers believe in me and give me equipment uh, to represent them out there. So, you know, every, I always got to give, you know, everything a grain of salt and just keep it big picture. And, you know, I, I know, I know, especially you guys, you want to hear that easy one answer, you know, like this is the greatest player ever. And that's the greatest ball ever. And uh, there's just, Maybe maybe I'm just plain or boring or something, but man, that's I really like love that X Factor Deuce. But there are so many great balls out there that I threw that made me a lot of money and won a lot of tournaments. Yeah, we all we all have our reasons for our sentimentality with uh with the bowling balls and things like that. But yes, yeah, so there's definitely some interesting answers there, Matt. Uh, you know, listen, we appreciate the time tonight. We want to get you out of here, but before we do. You know, you talked a lot about your your new position with Storm and your new job with Storm. What uh, what other plugs do you have, man? Obviously, you're repping Storm, but what else? Uh, what other companies you want to give a shout to? You know, I'd love to give a shout out to uh, to Turbo Two and One Grips. I've I've been with them for almost 11 years, and uh, you know, Dave and uh, Lori and Chris and everybody back in uh back in michigan just thank you so much for uh believing in me and for having me on staff and i tell you what i've I've used turbo products my entire life and i'm just and un, unbelievably happy with with how they've worked for me and i'm uh, so happy that turbo keeps uh keeps me on and uh just i love representing them uh on and off the lanes and then uh uh, Ken Keegan at Logo Infusion. I've been with Ken since since the the beginning, and uh, Ken's just an awesome guy, and uh, always always had a great relationship with him, and, and so proud to to be able to wear his jerseys on the lanes. And then finally, uh, the Gardeners at Bowl for Life. They do such such great work and, and such great things for the sport of bowling, and, and they've uh, allowed me to be an ambassador for them as well. So um, can't say enough about uh, about those folks. And then. I actually just had a new sponsor come on. Uh, it's a it's a family-run resort up in up in northern Minnesota. It's called Ludlow's uh, Ludlow's Island Resort, and it's it's a place that I've I've been going to since I was like six months out of the womb. Basically, my first trip was in 1985, and I actually just went back for a fishing trip uh, back with my dad uh, just last fall. So it's it's just absolute classy place and love to be there so guys thank you so much i can't say thank you enough to you guys for having me on the show it was an absolute treat for me and uh keep doing what you're doing i mean i, th- I just think it's great for the sport of bowling that that people get exposed to uh being able to hear a lot of great and interesting conversation matt listen man we greatly appreciate it and uh you definitely added to uh to what we're trying to offer the people here and uh yeah we'll definitely consider you a friend of the show going forward and and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you in the near future, man. We'll be keeping an eye out and definitely reach out again and have you on if that's cool. 
Oh, I would love I would love it, guys. And uh, you got a loyal listener in me already. So keep doing the great work, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. We appreciate it, man. Take it easy. All right, man. Yep, you too. All right, thank you. Rob, is that sirens in the background for you? No, that's not me. That's not me. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay fairy here, Mike. <laughs> so so uh, good. Yeah, good interview. Interesting to hear from Matt. You know, uh, kind of a guy who might not be all that well known with with a lot with some of our listeners. Uh, they might consider him kind of new to the scene with his success at the World Series, but. Uh, yeah, definitely somebody that was uh, gave some interesting answers to the questions that we put out there for him. Yeah, I mean, his success at the USBC tournament, I don't think will ever be duplicated. I mean, he's absolutely dominated that tournament for, it was almost like a three to four year stretch. Uh, and I really think that the people who are out there listening that want to be successful at that tournament, it's a really, really hard tournament to 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 just, from what he said, got literally nine games a year to make your mark in that tournament and you know just knowing your equipment knowing your pairs having the right people on your teams uh that are breaking down the pairs the right way and uh you know bowling under pressure because you have a team behind you team bowling is a lot more pressure you know and the conditions me personally mike i I know nick hoagland from college days uh you know, and uh, he's just making those—he's making those patterns just way too hard. At least the last two years, you know. Sometimes I really think that's a tournament where you might have to make him easier, just because of the, the the type of bowler that comes out there. You know, uh, it's a yeah, lot of I one. Actually, I, I, yeah, I actually I, I like what Matt suggested there, kind of perhaps having different patterns for different divisions. You know, I don't I, I don't think that sounds like such a terrible idea. No, I think it's a great idea. You know, if you have a classified division, right, like why not make him easier? Look, these guys who are 160, 170 averages, they're paying thousands of dollars to take them and their wives, you know, out with them and, or, or, or husbands, and they're making a trip out of it. And they don't want to average 130, Mike. They don't want to go there and embarrass themselves. They want to have a good time. They want to bowl, drink a little bit of beer, throw some strikes, you know, maybe bowl 600 or 650. But do you put out some of these patterns that these guys bowl on? Dude, these guys got these people have no chance, like no chance. Yeah, it's funny. I bowl in a sport league on Tuesday nights, and occasionally people will come into sub who, you know, are your average house, you know, two, you know, two fifteen, two twenty plus house bowlers. And I got to tell you, man, it's like the most entertaining thing I get to see all year in terms of bowling is to have a two twenty house bowler come in and bowl on a sport pattern when they've never had really much experience on it. I mean, it is like it's, oh, how about- it tells you everything you need to know. You know, it really does. So I, I can't imagine what it's like for some of these guys at nationals. You know, so Mike, here's a good, a quick story. I bowled in a sport league years ago, and uh, um, I, it was a three game league, and I was playing up five with whatever ball I had, and I, I was bowling like seven fifty up five. And there's a guy in my league. He's averaging two twenty in the house shot. He goes there. And he bowled like 460, and he wouldn't get right at 20. <laughs> so yeah, you just, yeah, I just don't understand. But. You know what I mean? It's like you're, I'm bowling, I'm shooting almost 800 playing five, and you're bowling 450 playing 20. Like, and, and that's what's wrong with a lot of the sport is that what Matt was saying is that there's no education. There's no like, 
I'm not going to go over to this guy and tell him to move right. I mean, that's right. not my job to do that, right? Right. Absolutely. All right, so, Rob, uh, you know, a little bit of PBA playoff action to review. No? Yeah, we had a good show there this past Monday night. Uh, there was a, a few uh, closer matches. Yeah, highlighted by Kyle Troop and, and Belmo. Yeah, that stone nine was nasty. Uh, I, I mean, he threw it so good for the cheese, and I was, like, floored. Like, my mouth dropped to the floor when that nine stood. Uh, I couldn't imagine how it felt if he, as him bowling, like, like your heart must have just stopped. It was so bad of a nine. Yeah, and I mean that's a that's a huge nine pin like that ends that ends a run at a hundred gram right there. I also got the sense for sure we're watching those shows that, and this isn't this isn't the case very often, but I definitely got the sense that the troop was the crowd favorite and not Belmo. I think troop is always the hometown favorite when they bowl Bayshore at, at Maine. I I don't think there's anybody. That's going to be more popular than Troop in Bayshore. In Bayshore, they love them there. Yo, if you if you're going there, you got to get the name right. It's not Bayshore; it's Bayside. Bayside. Uh, see, I'm 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 fucking it up already, and I haven't even went there. <laughs> apologize, apologize to the people, Rob. Well, it's easy to remember Bayside, like uh, Saved by the Bell, right? So I'm yeah. good from now on. Bayside. Bayside High. I keep calling it Bayshore. Yeah. The Tigers, man. The Tigers. Yeah, you may you may have just given them an idea for uh, for some merch. Actually, that's a pretty good idea. So yeah, I definitely think that that was the the highlight match of the night. Uh, you know, more action to follow on that. And obviously, these are tape shows, so we kind of know the results already or have an idea of the results already. So uh, yeah, definitely something to watch. Still going to tune in. You still going to tune in, Rob? Yeah, I've been. I like those shows at Bayside. Uh, I just, um, you know, it just. It, I feel like I can't miss them when they're at, at Bayside. I kind of wish though they were live, but I mean, I'd say, I mean, maybe asking for a little bit too much this year from the PBA. Maybe a little bit of greed here, wanting every show live. So uh, I'll still tune in though. Nah, it just would have been too. I mean, to ask those guys to spend all that time up there just to bowl once a week live. It's it's just too hard, but I, I do like the idea of holding the final four live, and I do I do feel like there's a there's a good possibility of sweep the rack bowling podcast being in the building that weekend, Rob. That's that's crazy. I know I'm excited about uh, that. No more. There for the no week, more. But... We're, not, we're not saying anything else about it. That's it. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Let's leave it there. All right, you got so, uh, <laughs> no problem. The PBA playoffs continue, and we'll be staying on top of that and obviously uh, covering that. Rob, this week, uh, Brian Voss just uh, throwing throwing some you know some some comments out there, man. He had some hot takes coming in hot, torpedo style. Blew up the bowling world for about a week. I, I mean, it was crazy. He's always, but it's no. I mean we're no stranger to know how Voss like feels about two-handed bowling. He's always felt that way. And he'll be the first to tell you he's pretty open and honest about it. Right, Mike? Yeah. I feel like the outlet that put out that interview was kind of like, Oh, breaking news. We have these comments from Brian Voss. Like he said these things in the past. I mean, a few years ago, there was a whole thing on Facebook that he put out and uh, 
yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's pretty clear how he feels about things. And, uh, you know, he, he, like you said, he'll, he'll be the first to tell you. Uh, so his comments basically for our listeners were that two-handed bowling should not be a part of the sport. Is it fair? Is that a fair way to sum it up, Rob? Or he was saying that they should be separated at least. Yeah. Separated as in divided. So if yeah. he pretty much wants to make a new division, feels that way, or some kind of new division for two-handed bowling, uh, which, come on. I mean, how many, I, I don't know about that. I mean, Bill O'Neill had a great tweet of a, of a picture of Grandpa Simpson yelling at a cloud. Uh, old man yells at cloud. Pretty, old man yells at cloud. So, that to me was a, a brilliant tweet uh, just because it's just symbolizing how somebody is, you know, maybe afraid of change and just doesn't want to like, you know, go with, go with the flow and just kind of, you know, go with change. He's just one of those old school traditional thinkers and that's what he wants bowling to stay as. I mean, what wouldn't you say? Yeah. All right. So we, we can talk about people's reaction to it too, but I, can I say this first? I'm going to ask this. Does Brian Voss deserve to be treated better by the PBA? What do you mean by better? Like, uh, like, like explain I mean, that. Like, what do you mean? Look, look at how, all right, so I can give numerous examples of this. Like, look at how the PBA treats some of the other greats of the game that are still around, right, and choose to, to be around the game in a, in, and have a presence in the game in some way. You know, Walter Ray, Parker Bone, Pete Weber, uh, North, they're all still competing on the regular tour, most of those guys, as well as the senior tour. But even somebody like Mark Roth or Marshall Holman or Carmen Salvino, right? Like they, to me, they go above and beyond in, in most cases to um, treat their, their premium players, especially from the, from the yesteryear, I guess you could say, with with some sort of pomp and circumstance, and I I I don't know what I why I feel this way, but I kind of feel like Brian Voss has been given the backhand. I mean, I can see that. I, when was the last time you even saw Voss like on a show in a telecast booth in the crowd? I mean, when was the last time you actually saw him on TV? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I mean it. It could be mutual, you know. It could be that he doesn't want to be around. I don't know. We don't. We don't have that type of inside information, obviously. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's just something that I've noticed over the years. Because Brian Voss, I mean, he was one of the greats of the game when we were growing up, right? Like he was one of those guys that you always love seeing on the TV show, and he won a lot, made the TV show a lot. So I don't know. I just feel like my mom loved him. My my mom loved him. I mean, he was a lot of loved him, Rob. Yeah, I think he was one of the first, like, I don't know if, if that's true or not, but he was a, a really good-looking young guy, and he had a lot of energy, and I would consider him as PBA royalty. I, I personally, like, don't know him, and if I saw him, I would definitely treat him with Hall of Fame, like, respect, you know, and we would definitely call him Mr. Voss if he came on the TV uh, on our podcast, which – we should look into getting him as a guest. I would love to hear his thoughts. I'm sure, you know. Rob, 
Great minds think alike. You're reading my mind, dog. I was just going to say, Mr. Voss, if you're out there, we're big fans. If you're listening, come on. Come on on. We'd love to have you on and talk to you. We don't really want to talk about two-handed bone. We want to hear stories from back in the day. That's what we want. We 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 want yeah, we, we want, want the good stuff. Yeah, not not the boring hear, stuff. We want to hear him giving it to the moms. <laughs> we want to hear True. him giving it to the moms back in the day. True, but Rob, back to the people's reaction. Belmo also had an interesting reaction. You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting with Belmo. Like he always finds a way to turn something that could be a negative into a great positive. And I think that he did that in this situation. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, Belmo is king of going high road. He's always been the king of going high road. Uh, you know, he's definitely great at deflecting hate um, and turning it around. Uh, I, I feel like he, he responded professionally and he didn't throw fuel in the fire and, uh, you know, just one of those really, really kind of pretty good – he had a, a really good response. You know, it was more of like we can't separate, you know, the PBA or anything separate – like separation doesn't do do any good for the sport. In the future, if you want to talk about like it, you know, you have my number or, or if you can get my number, something in that in that case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, th- you could take a different angle on that. Right. As Bellano is one of the, you know, as somebody who people say is going to be remembered as one of the goats of the game. I mean, if you want to come for his neck, you can come for his neck. Yeah. I mean, it's, he could have went, he could have went low for sure. And kind of, I would have, I mean, that'd have been pretty good, you know, to see Belmo even take a, take a couple jabs and shots at him, you know, but I think, uh, I don't, I didn't see a lot of other responses from a lot of other pros though. Did you, I think Bill and Belmo were the only ones that really, made any public statement or tweets or any Facebook that were even responding to Voss's comments. I don't, did you see anything else from any other pros? I didn't, I didn't. Makes me wonder a little bit. Stay woke, stay woke. You feel me? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Makes you think a little right. bit, doesn't it? So we put it out there, you know, Mr. Voss, if you're a listener, people know him, get in touch with him. Shoot us, shoot us as the, our, our email. You know, hit us up. We're more than willing to have you on the podcast. We're big fans, man, big fans. We'd love to have him. Right, Rob? That would be a big one for us. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be – I would freaking love to talk to him about everything in the back in the day and stuff that's going on in today's PBA. True. So, uh, all right, Rob, so moving on, uh, both the PBA 50 and the PWBA start, start up or have started up or are starting up. PWBA is going to start up next week. Uh, PBA 50 started up last week. Walter Ray, we just had him on. Rob, we got the touch or what? Man, he's been just absolutely killing it. He's went back-to-back PBA 50 titles, and one of them was a major. Yeah, for sure. For sure, absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, off to a hot start out there. PWBA starting up. Rob, I I don't know, Bowl.com, TV, you know, a lot of the bowlers, uh, you know, they, they've kind of been promoting recently, like signing up. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'll be signed up for that or not. So I don't know how much of the PWBA that I, I will see. But if they are on TV, I'll definitely support that. Um, and, yeah, you know, definitely looking for, for the results there, too. You know, I, I, was, I, I was talking to Riggles on, on Facebook a little bit when he posted about, how like you need a bowl.com subscription now. 
And so now what? I have to get a bowl.com subscription on top of a flow bowling subscription on top of a Netflix on top of, you know, uh, whatever else that I have. Like, I don't understand. And I, I had a little bit of a talk with Riggles um, about why you couldn't flow bowling just do everything, the PWBA and the PBA. Like, it, it would make their subscription so much better. And even if you paid a dollar or two more, but of course, you know, the PWBA is, is not work. They don't work with the PBA. And there was some, there was some other like technicalities that Jeff was talking to me about. And I just, this is some of the issues that this board has. Like, why can't everybody just be on the same page to make the viewer, to make our like lives and our like money make it better for us? Like why, Mike, why do I have to pay another subscription to watch bowling? Feel you. Feel you. I'm already all in on flow bowling. But yeah, the, the conversation about entities within bowling working together as opposed to not working together, yeah, that's definitely a conversation for another episode. So, uh, Rob, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I think it was a good episode. I hope people enjoy the interview with uh, Matt McNeil. Anybody going to bowl USBCs, good luck. Enjoy, have fun, have a good time. Uh, if you're going out there to try and win an Eagle, good luck. Uh, if you're going out there just to have a good time, have fun, good luck. And uh, Rob, any final words before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, real quick, uh, the USBC tournament, uh, if you're listening to me, if uh, Chad Murphy or any of the USBC executives happen to listen to the show, please talk to South Point Convention Center about making it easier for the bowlers to get their balls up to the stadium. That walk is a freaking death walk. And if you don't have wheels or, like, I, you can't even, like, have a bellman. I, I would hire a bellman or, like, just give him five or ten bucks to bring my bowling balls up to the stadium. But they don't even allow that anymore. So if I, if I have to put even two or four balls on my shoulders and make that walk, it's absolutely terrible. I mean, it's the worst thing ever. So if anybody's listening to me out there, please do something about that stupid-ass walk to that convention center in South Point. Okay, I said my piece. Rob goes to the gym like five days a week, people. There's days where he hits me up and tells me he can't do the podcast, can't record because he's going to the gym. He's complaining about a walk. Come on, Rob. Get it together. Dude, dude, but the back, man, I'm 37, man. I pulled my back out like three times. Dude, those deadlifts, man, trying to move that heavy weight, man, make them gains, you know, and so wear on your back. Feel you, feel you. All right, all right. Rob, have a good week. We'll talk to everybody. Listen, Check us out. You know where we're at. Send us an email at Sweep the Rack on all platforms at Sweep the Rack at Gmail. Uh, anybody interested in being a guest, get at us, especially if your name is Mr. Voss. Hit us up. Let us know. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on all platforms now, right, Rob? Yeah. Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes, the big three. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we were a little bit late getting this episode posted, but uh, – Easter holiday, so you guys are going to have to catch us. Give us a little break. We had a lot going on. But uh, we're going to throw up on our poll question as well. Do you bowl the USBC Open and why? We want to know. Do you bowl the USBC Open tournament? And if you do, are you more of a serious bowler that's going to win an eagle? Or are you more of the type that's just going to enjoy and have fun and have a good time? All right, Rob, take it easy, man. All right, man, peace.